Let's praise the King this morning, this wonderful Sunday morning. We welcome you in uh, in Life Church. We will thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Let's join in together and worship corporately as a as a as a one body of Christ, glorifying the King, magnifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. day we gathered in your name calling out to you glory like a fire awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth you're the reason we're here you're the reason we're singing and open up the heavens we want to see you open up the floodgates a mighty river flowing from your heart feeling every part of our praise your presence in this place we gather your faith you're looking to the sky descending like a cloud you're standing with us now lord Fail our eyes Cause you're the reason we're here You're the reason we're singing Open up the heavens We want to see you Open up the floodgates A mighty river flowing from your heart Feeling every part of our praise open up the heavens we want to see you open up the floodgates a mighty river flowing from your heart feeling every part of our praise your presence your presence in this place your glory on our face we're looking to the sky descending like a cloud you're standing with us now lord unveil our eyes because you're the reason we're here you're the reason we're singing open up the heavens we want to see you open up the floodgates a mighty river flowing from your heart Feeling every part of our praise and Open up the heavens We want to see you Open up the floodgates A mighty river flowing from your heart Feeling every part of our praise Show us, show us your glory Show us Show us your power, show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory, show us, show us your power, show us, 
Show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our praise. Show us. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. We'll make that your prayer this morning. Let's sing it again. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Oh. 
God, I just worship you this morning, Father. God, we want to see you. We want to see you, Father. Let your presence reign in this place. Let your presence reign in this place. We join with the angels and cry, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father God, you are holy. Father, you are holy. You are holy. There is no one like you. You are holy. And holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Oh, make that your prayer. Let's sing that out.
and anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away not what you want to do and anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away come and fill this room and anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away if it's not what you want and anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away and every other voice is still and every heart leans in until you of the living God breathe like only you can breathe so come and fill this room anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away if it's not what you want to do and anything apart from let it fall away, let it fall away. And every heart is open wide as your name is lifted high here. God, we know you're here. And everything we're longing for, the presence of the living God breathe like only you can breathe. Men fill this room and anything apart from you, let it fall away, let it fall away. If it's not what you want to do, anything apart from you, let it
Cause all we want is you So move Like only you can move So move Cause all we want is you So move Like only you can move So move Cause all we want is you So come and fill this room Anything apart from you Let it fall away Let it fall away If it's not what you want to do Anything apart from you Let it fall apart from you let it fall away fall away if it's not what you want to do anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away oh let's tell him that come and fill this room Anything apart from you, let it fall away, let it fall away. If it's not what you want to do, anything apart from you, let it fall away, let it
Tell him he's holy. Oh 
Show me your face Power and grace I can make it to the end If I can just see
Aren't you glad that our God rules and reigns? Nothing catches him by surprise. He's in full control. You know, the world needs to hear that today, but I think the church needs to be reminded of the fact that he's in full control. He's worthy, glorious, majestic, full of holiness who he is loving and compassionate and his mercies poured out I said his mercies poured out 
And the Bible says that as believers in Christ, those of us who are born again by the Spirit of God, we have access to the throne. That we don't have to timidly come, but we can come boldly before the throne of God and bring our petitions and our requests to Him. You know, as I was thinking yesterday and today about our time to put together in prayer this morning at the beginning of service, at this service time, I really felt that to pray for the people all across our nation right now who are, they're being devastated by fire. It's happening on every corner of our nation, 17 parishes in our own state. In Florida, this morning I heard eight more parishes now, eight more fires in Hawaii have just broke out. I met a few pastors this, this past week in Idaho that they had just come up from Southern California where the flooding was taking place. They'd never seen anything like that before. They said the people were losing everything. They're dealing with that. I said, I really believe God's trying to wake up some people and may help them realize that the things of this world, they're going to pass away and that, that there's certain things and only the certain things that are eternal. But that doesn't change the fact that our hearts break when people lose and they hurt. And I just felt this morning, why don't we take a few moments as a congregation to pray for all of those people from the southeast to the northwest right here in our own state and pray for them there's a lot of believers followers of the Lord who are being impacted by these things too pray for the first responders my wife and I got into our hotel room at midnight the other night in Spokane, Washington, couldn't see the road because the, the smoke was so heavy. We got to the hotel, every room was full. Firefighters, National Guard, fighting the fires in Washington and Idaho along that line. A friend who posted this morning everything that's going on north of DeRitter over there and what they're doing. They need our prayer. They need our covering. So let's pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we've, on Wednesday night, have even taken moments to pray for catastrophic events, knowing that, God, they were coming, and praying that, God, you would use them in some way to grab hold of the attention of individuals across this nation who need to make things right with you, that need to get right with you, Lord God. And I'm not saying you're a God that sends fire and judgment in that capacity, but Father, you said it rains on the just and the unjust. And these wildfires and these floodings, and, and even now Florida's getting ready for a potential hurricane coming their way. God, we just pray for those who are being impacted by this. There's so much sorrow and there's so much grief, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would just move in ways 
that we can't even begin to imagine. You know the people, you know the families, you know the, the whole neighborhoods that have been wiped out, Lord God. Father, you know the person, the individual person. And God, I pray that you would move in such a way, use these things in such a way as to grab hold of their attention. Let them see that, God, the temporal things, they're just that, temporary. They're here today and gone tomorrow, but the thing that matters the most is the soul. For it is eternal. We can lose things in this world, and yes, it brings sorrow, but God, to lose all of eternity, our soul, what a, what a sin, what a crime that would be. Father, we pray. I pray for the church in those areas that are being impacted. Lord, that they would rise up and let the joy of the Lord be their strength and let the hope that is within them be seen in their neighbors that they might have the opportunity to witness and bring them to a saving relationship with Jesus. God, we pray for the first responders, the firefighters, the National Guard, those who are out there uh, helping them, Lord God, the, the, the emergency techs that are out there, God, all of them that are serving their communities, God, let your hand of protection be upon them. And Father, could we be so bold as to pray for rain? The land is crying out for rain. The people are crying out for rain. God, open the windows of heaven, literally the windows of heaven, and send forth rain. Not only just to battle the blazes, but God, the parchedness of the land. We're praying, Lord God, by your mercies, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Bring forth rain. And not just a small amount, God. Bring an abundance of it. And at the same time that physical rain comes, send a spiritual deluge upon your church all across this nation Lord God there is a spiritual drought and hunger and thirst of people all across this nation God let your fire fall your rain fall your breath fall your wind come upon those anointed to speak your word that, Father, those without hope would suddenly have hope. And that hope is in you and in your word. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And declare it to be so. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah.
things down. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Uh, welcome to all our guests who are here today. Amen. I just want to make one quick announcement. Next week, following the service, I know there's some people will be gone, uh, but you can contact me during the week. But right after service, uh, those who would be interested in hosting or even leading a home group, I'd like to meet with you for just a few moments after service next week in the room right across uh, the lobby uh, just to talk to you for a few minutes. Uh, we usually have uh, meetings in the fall. Uh, it's about 12 weeks. We're going to shorten it down to about eight weeks um, this fall um, for a number of reasons. But first of all, uh, I would like to meet with you next week. If you are even interested or want to have information or have questions about that, please just take a few minutes to meet with me after service. I would appreciate that greatly. Um, also, to remind you, on the last weekend of October, I know that sounds like a long ways off, but it really isn't a long ways off. Uh, Jason Beard will be with us in ministry that Friday night, Saturday night, and twice on Sunday. And we're looking forward to him coming back to be with us. It's been a few years since he's been here, and we're expecting great things of the Lord. I said, I'm expecting great things. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting great things of the Lord that weekend. And so, uh, how many were here last Sunday? Did Brother Darrell minister? Awesome. He was so, such a blessing. Uh, my wife and I had been invited to go to uh, Idaho uh, by way of Spokane, Washington for a few days. And um, we ended up stuck in the Atlanta airport for 10 and a half hours because the flight out of Lafayette didn't leave when it was supposed to. And so we caught a good portion of the service sitting right there in Atlanta. I said, if I had known this, I could have just slept in or I could have stayed home and, and preached the message. But Daryl did an awesome job and the word was right on. In fact, this was, I'm going to tell you, some of you, as, as he was preaching, I'm getting text messages from people here in the congregation going, Pastor, he's preaching on expectation. He's preaching on what you said last week. All these text messages are coming to me and I'm like, get my iPad out. I'm like, let me see what's going on over at church. And so anyway, it was great. I'm so appreciative of him coming and ministering his heart. I told him, I said, you just minister what God tells you to minister. I didn't say anything else to him. I said, and you do it how you want, how God leads you. And he did. And I'm so thankful to have people in the body of Christ that are nearby who, can, who are willing to be obedient to the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, a few weeks ago, I felt impressed to begin uh, a series I had done about 14 years ago. I'm updated, it, obviously, but it, I simply had titled it Looking Back to the Future, and it ties in the Jewish um, festivals of the fall to prophetic events that are taking place in our world today. And it's a message of hope, but it's a message of warning also. And so I'm going to take part of that over the next few weeks and, and minister on it. So I'm just telling you kind of where I'm coming from. Because in September, about the third week of September, um, these, these festivals, are, uh, that's what they're called in the scripture, these holy days really, are going to take place in Israel. 
And I always have a sense of expectation around that time simply because I know what the Word says concerning them. And, and uh, I don't know what God's calendar is or heaven's calendar is, but I'm always aware of what God is able to do when he wants to do it. So we're going to look at this, and this is kind of an overview of those things. And so let's look at Matthew beginning with verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. And I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And so the series title is simply calling Looking Back to the Future. And I hope that I can explain why I say you look back to see the future. Everything that God does, he does with purpose. Can I get an amen? I said everything God does, he does with purpose. When he created the heavens and the earth, he mapped out where each object was to be and which manner it was to move. Uh, when he created the earth with precision to the speed and the degree that it rotates on its axis, the Bible tells us that from before time began, God was. And God set everything in order, including the offering of his son, Jesus Christ, for the redemption of the human race. And with that, God determined the day that Jesus would die. He determined the time that Jesus would die. And he even determined the songs that would be sung before his death. And knowing this, at least to me, knowing this um, reveals the greatness of God. The greatness that, that he can plan these things out before they ever take place. And then he reveals it in his word to us and makes it plain to us. And if, if we'll take the blinders off and ask the Holy Spirit to show us. But he reveals this to us. Then knowing that he's, he's mapped all of this out just gives me great confidence and assurance in a very unsecure time. Come on now. And, and so with, with that, I, I know that he knows everything that's going on, and he knows every detail of your life. Every detail of your life. Every detail of everything that's happening in your life right now. And God is in control. I just felt impressed this morning to tell you that word. God is in control. In fact, why don't you turn to somebody and tell them, God is in control. When it comes to the ancient feast in the Old Testament, there's a deep reservoir of knowledge that is interwoven in them. On the surface, they reenact the story of the people uh, being brought from slavery in Egypt. Um, it, it, it tells us the establishment of a covenant between God and Israel. It talks about the wanderings in the wilderness. It talks about the ultimate goal of life in the promised land. But in the light of the word and this Bible here, Christians understand these annual ancient feasts that are written in the Old Testament as prophetic object lessons given by God to reveal what's to come. And they reveal to us God's ultimate plan of salvation 
and the soon coming of Jesus Christ to establish the kingdom of God on earth. They reveal to us the first coming of Christ, and they reveal to us the second coming of Christ. And it's like a hidden treasure that's waiting to be discovered, and there's a prophetic aspect to the feast revealing specific events that you and I can know this side of the cross, looking back and seeing what Christ did to fulfill the first part and knowing what the second part means. If you don't know anything about these ancient feasts, I'll help you out with just a little bit. There are four of these feasts, and, and I'll explain that in a minute. That's what the Bible calls them. There's four of them in the springtime, and there's three of them in the fall. In the, in the, in the spring, you have Passover. We have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the First Fruits, and the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. The fall feasts in, include the Feast of Trumpets, um, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And all of these are found in the book of Leviticus, which is the reason why a lot of Christians don't know anything about it, because when they get to Leviticus, they go, that's the law, that's the Old Testament stuff. I'm under grace, I'm under Jesus, I don't need any of that stuff. But it's revealed to us in God's word. In Leviticus 23, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Now, I've said this before. When we see the word feast in the Bible, what usually comes to mind, especially to us who live in South Louisiana? Food, right? A spread. I mean, we're going to eat, right? But that is a poor translation in English, if I can put it that way, of, of what the actual biblical meaning of that word is. The word feast here is not something like birthday parties or, or, or you know, a, a, a Thanksgiving feast or something like that. The Hebrew word that is used, that is translated feast, is the word moed, which means an appointment, okay? It's defined as a, a fixed time or a season, um, for example, I got an email a couple of days ago saying I have an eye doctor appointment tomorrow from my doctor, okay? And I had to confirm whether I was going to be there or not. Well, that, that's what this word is. It's an appointment. It's a fixed time. Uh, um, it's a, it's a, to, made by uh, uh, an agreement. of. In other words, the doctor says I need to see you at 2.15, and I agree to come at 2.15. It's an agreed upon appointment, okay? So God literally marked the Hebrew calendar with specific appointments when he would meet and intervene and interact with his people. Now, how many of you would agree that if you have an appointment with someone, you ought to know what time that appointment is? Instead of saying, I think I'm meeting with somebody next week, and, and, and you let it go at that. No, you, I mean, especially with the doctors nowadays, if you don't show up, they charge you 75 bucks, right? I mean, you know, they, they, it's a no-show thing. Imagine if God did that to Israel, but they, he didn't do that. They, they knew by agreement that there was an appointed time that God said should be set aside, okay? And everywhere, everyone was made aware of it. 
You have to understand in, 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 in the Jewish calendar, there are two calendars. There is a civil calendar and there is a biblical calendar and they're not the same. The days and times are different. That's why if you get a Jewish calendar, I didn't look up to see what year we're in right now on the Jewish calendar, but it's usually around, I think we're 57, 80 something right now, something like that. I mean, that is the biblical calendar. There is a business calendar, a secular calendar, just like we have January through December, but there is a biblical calendar that also every Jew understands. And so have, has anyone here ever lived in a town that was near a time zone where maybe you lived on one side and somebody worked and you worked on the other side? Anybody? I had a friend in, and after high school was getting married and I was to be in his wedding and I was on my way there and I was, thought, man, I got plenty of time, no problem. Uh, I was to be an usher, you know, to usher people in. And about an hour away, I'm thinking I got two hours to be there. And I said, no problem. And then I remembered that the town city limits changed to Eastern time. And I realized I had like 40 miles to go and 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> Not a good feeling. Not a good feeling, I'm telling you. I changed into my suit in the car, driving down the road, and ran in the church with my tennis shoes on because I didn't have time to put my dress shoes on. The thing we need to understand is that if, if I lived in a time zone and I worked on one side and lived on the other, I'd have to have two clocks. And we need to understand that God has a calendar that's different from our calendar. He has things already declared and decreed and set in place. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, look what it says. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Now, for days and years, we understand, right? How many, how many of you know if someone says, a day, you understand it to be a day, right? If someone says a year, you understand it to be a year. But notice that there's two other words that are used in that same sentence. It says for signs and for seasons. The word signs, uh, uh, seasons, excuse me, in Hebrew, again, is that word moed. It means an appointment, okay? It, it, it's it's the same word that we read in Leviticus 23 that talks about the feast. So he's saying, he said, let there be signs in the heavens, uh, signs and seasons, days and years, okay? And, and then the word signs in the Hebrew is the word out, which is meaning a signal. So he says, let there be, again, he says, let there be, this be done for signs and seasons, for days and years. So signs is an appointment, and, 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 and the, the, it's a signal for us. A sign is a signal. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I took a bunch of young people to Disney World one time right after Christmas. And all the way there, most of these kids had never been out of um, uh, the parish. 
Some of them had been to Baton Rouge or New Orleans, but most of them had never been out of that parish. And so when we hit Mississippi, they go, are we almost there yet? And I'm like, no, we're nowhere near there. Then we hit Alabama, and I said, no, we're not there yet. Well, then we hit Florida. All they knew is Disney World was in Florida. Of course, how many of you know that the, 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 the peninsula yeah, where it has a long ways from there, right? And they're going, how far are we? I said, look, until we turn south, you're not going to see any signs about Disney. And so as soon as we finally get to the part of Florida, we turn south, heading down the peninsula, we see the first sign about Disney. We're almost there. And I'm going, no, we're still a couple hundred miles away. You know, and they were like, but there's a sign. I said, that's just to let you know you're on the right path. But as we got closer and closer, guess what? More signs. And, they, and then more signs and more signs until eventually they were just like coming like that. Well, that's what God says. He says in the scripture, he says, I have made appointments and I have put signs in the heavens. Okay. Now, remember the Magi who came looking for Jesus, right? To go to Herod. They said, for we have seen his sign in the heavens. They knew something was taking place. God created a light, created something that caused them to know. And, and remember, a lot of people don't understand this. How could they have known about a Jewish king? But remember, Daniel had been taken in exile. Daniel held a high position. And Daniel was very learned. And he taught people for many years what the scripture says. So here were men who understood the scriptures and then suddenly saw something in the heavens that they recognized and they were following after those signs. These appointments in scripture, they're all throughout there. In Genesis 18 and 14, it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, that's the word again, Moed, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son, Genesis 21 and 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time, Moed, of which God had spoken to him. Exodus 9 and 5. Then the Lord appointed a set time, Moed, saying tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So we see all through the scripture, the word is being used. There's an appointed time. God had his appointed times. Listen, God has some appointed times in your life. You may think right now, uh, God's forgotten me. I, I don't know what, where God is. God has appointed times. He's in control. The second thing we see about the feast is not, are, not only are they appointed on God's calendar, that God said, I will meet with these people, but he says there to be holy convocations. Convocations. How many of you have used that word lately in your conversation with anyone, right? You know, the other day I was thinking about convocations. They'd look at you like you were nuts and get away from it. Well, look, let's look back at Leviticus 23 and 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Here's the thing we need to understand about these 
these, these feasts, these holy days, they're not for men. They're not for us. They're, they were for God. Okay? And the Hebrew word that is used for this word convocation means literally a dress rehearsal. So there he says, he says, speak to them, these feasts, these appointed times shall be shall be of the Lord, you shall proclaim them to be holy dress rehearsals, if I can put it that way. <clears throat> For example, how many of you have ever been in a play or something where you had rehearsal or a concert and you've had a rehearsal? Um, I'll give you one. I know a lot of you have been on cruises. First thing they do when you get on a cruise, what? Is you've got to do the fire drill thing, right? How to get in the lifeboats, how to do when you hear the signs, where to go. They're not moving till you do it, okay? Because why? Because it's practice in case there's a real event. The time to practice is not when it's happening, you know, where do I go? Where do I go? No, you've already practiced it. You know where to go, okay? This is important. These, these feasts in the Old Testament were rehearsals for the real event, okay? For 1,500 years, the Jews killed a Passover lamb in the month of Nisan on the 14th day. Why? Why did they do that for 1,500 years? Because 1,500 years after the law was giving, given, the Passover lamb that would take away the sins of the world would be killed on the month of Nisan, the 14th day. And Leviticus 23.2 could literally be translated this way. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, concerning the divinely appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be dress rehearsals, these are for my divinely set appointments. That's what he's telling them. In fact, he goes on and says this, the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. The word proclaim means to call out to mention it, to read it, to publish it. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm proclaiming to you so that we might understand the importance of these holy days that God has established in the Old Testament and understand the prophetic implication that's in the past but also in the future to come. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 3 and 4, Jesus is telling this parable, he's telling this story, and he says, and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have, pre I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready, come to the wedding. He was sending them out, to proclaim the message that the wedding was ready and that they were to come. That's what he was doing. But they didn't heed the message, okay? The feasts are proclamations of God to us. He knows the dates. 
He knows when they are. He knows what he, he plans to do. And he's sending, he's making these proclamations that we might understand them. So what's the prophetic implication? What is the, uh, what is the, 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 future, the future understanding of looking through the scripture? The thing is that the first four feasts are linked together. And the last three feasts are also linked together. And between the four in the spring and the three in the fall, there's a large space of time, several months on the calendar that's in between those feasts. The first four feasts that are in the Bible that we're going to look at real quickly are related to the work of Jesus in his first coming. Okay? Let's look at it real quick. The Feast of Passover. You remember the story when they were in Egypt? God's about to send the last plague. What does God tell Moses? Tell the people to kill a lamb, take the blood, put it over the doorposts and on the sides of the doorposts. And he tells them what to do, specifically everything, what to do. And he says, and, what, and the death angel is going to come, take the firstborn of every family. But if it sees the blood over the door and on the side of the door, it will pass over you. The Passover lamb. It was prophetic. How? Because when the blood of Christ is applied to our lives, the Bible says we've passed from judgment unto life. The penalty of, of sin and the penalty of judgment is passed over. God looks beyond that because we have been born again, washed in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So God's wrath passes over us. The second feast that's found in the Testament is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it relates to the burial of Jesus Christ after his perfect sinless life, his sacrifice on the cross. He's received by the Father as a whole, holy and complete sacrifice according to the word, and he accomplishes our salvation. Now, most people don't think about the burial of Christ as being a part of the gospel. Usually we hear about the death and resurrection. But, but the scripture tells us clearly, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered you first of all that which I received from Christ, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul says he didn't, he didn't neglect that part because there was a keen part of something going on between the time he was laid in the grave and the time that he came out. And we don't have time to go into that today. But the burial of Christ is seen in, in the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then comes the Feast of Firstfruits which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? He was the first human to receive eternal resurrection. First Corinthians tells us he's the firstborn from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In fact, when Christ died on the cross, the Gospels tell us that when he said that it is finished, that there was a great earthquake, 
the, the veil in the temple was torn, and it says, and many graves of, of saints before opened up, but none came out until Jesus came out on resurrection day, because he is the first fruit of all those who will be raised again unto life. And so it is, it is telling us that we who are in Christ, though we may die physically, we are guaranteed that we will be brought forth from the grave because Christ has been raised from the dead. And then there's the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost, it was the Feast of Harvest. It was 50 days past the Passover. And it was the birth of the church. And what happened when the church was born on the day of Pentecost? Peter stood up and he preached. And 3,000 souls came into the kingdom of God. It was the beginning of a harvest for the kingdom of God. And, and in that ceremony of, in, that God laid out in the law, it's very interesting because in every other place, it talks about unleavened bread. Anybody know what unleavened bread is? It's bread without yeast, right? And, but it, this is in the only place where the priest was to take two regular loaves of bread, two leavened loaves, and he was to take them and wave them as a holy offering of God. Because why? It was speaking of the fact that God was now going to bring the Gentiles into the church, into the promise. Whereas the Jews only were God's people. Now he says, I'm going to bring both in. So they have the symbol of the unleavened bread at Passover for the Jews. But now we have a feast day of harvest. And the priest is commanded to wave two leavened loaves of bread together because God says, I'm getting ready to do a new thing. I'm getting ready to bring in not just my people, but those out there who will hear my word. And God says, I'm going to bring them in. All prophetic. All prophetic. And all fulfilled. Already fulfilled in the scripture. In fact, right now, I talked about the gap between the four spring events and the three in the fall. It's because this is the normal harvest season of agriculture in Israel during that time. We are in the church world right now. We are in a harvest season. It's for this reason that the Spirit of God was poured out, that those may be sent out, that, that people would hear, and that there would be a great harvest during this period of time. Romans 11 and 25. It speaks of this. It goes on and says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles come in. So God has said, they, they've hardened their hearts about receiving me, and so now I'm allowing the Gentiles to come in. Let me go back and show you this. This is, this is what I'm talking about. On the left side, your left side, are the spring holidays. And then on the right side are the ones that come in the fall. The four on the left were prophetically filled. 
Christ was the Passover lamb, killed on the day that the Passover lamb was to be killed. He was buried. And, and if you understand the, 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 the unleavened bread in the Passover meal, the, it is taken and hidden in a pocket, and then it is pulled out. I mean, Christ was raised as the first fruits, and then the Pentecost, the harvest, came along. All fulfilled. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born. Those happened on the same exact days. They were prophetic of what was to come. And God says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these things. Until the Gentiles be fulfilled, God says, these things will stay this way. And then I'm going to turn my attention back again to the Jewish people. So in the second group, there are three feasts. And they're getting ready to come up starting in September of this year. And the first one is the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the Feast of Trumpets speaks of the assembly of God's people at the sound of a trumpet. And to us who understand the scriptures in light of Christ, it is the rapture of the church. For the Bible tells us at the last trump, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord forever. It is the day that we're looking for, the feast of trumpets, that blowing of the trumpet. And we'll talk about more in detail in the next few weeks, these, these fall um, events individually. Then there is the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. And it speaks to the salvation of Israel following the Great Tribulation. Now, I'll just give you insight now, and insight now, and that is that the Tribulation, there are four main reasons for it, but the greatest mean, meaning for the Tribulation period is a period of time to draw Israel back to God. Israel has come back together as a nation. It was declared that it would be scattered and then it would be brought back. But it was declared that they would come back together but would not turn to God. But in the end, they would turn and call upon him. And it's in their calling upon him that Christ comes back at what we know as the second coming. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7 says, How awful that day will be. None will be like it. It will be like a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. He's talking about this period of time, this, the, the tribulation period, the day of judgment, the day of wrath. Um, there's several different terminology phrases that are used in Scripture describing this seven-year period of time. But as Christians, we recognize it as the second coming or the second advent of Christ. Um, the second coming is Christ physically comes back to earth again. His first coming, how did he come? He came as a baby. He came physically. So his second coming is him coming back physically again to earth. Okay? And the day of atonement, how is that related to that? Because Christ coming back, he has atoned for our sins. He's paid the price for our sins. And then he comes back and we are his bride. We are his family. We are his, his, the one that he loves. And he, we come back with him. Then there is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles speaks to the thousand year 
reign of Christ literally on earth. For when he comes back the second time, he will establish a literal kingdom on the earth, and he will rule literally, physically, for 1,000 years. This is the fulfillment of the scripture, for example, in Revelation 21.3, and it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. See, right now, God is in heaven. But there is coming a time when heaven will come down and the tabernacle of the Lord, the, the, the city of God will be on the earth and God will dwell among his people. We who are born again by the Spirit of God, who are filled with his Spirit, who have been washed in his precious blood, our sins have been forgiven. We will dwell and live in that city. And he will be our God. And we shall be his people. The application of these unique appointments tell us of foretold specific events that are going to take place. How do I know? Because the first four took place exactly to the day that God determined on his calendar that it should be fulfilled through Christ. And he will do the same for the last half because it is an appointment to let us know what is coming and what is going to take place. And so the main harvest feasts are themselves prophecies of specific time events. God is letting us know of specific time events. You know, on my, on my phone, my, my phone has a calendar. And it has all these holidays and things that are on there that I don't celebrate. But they put them on there. You know what I'm talking about? How I many of you know I, you can't. I wish they'd let you delete the ones you don't want. But they, they won't let you do that. But they're on there to let us know that those dates are taking place. Well, God has put these things in his word to let us know that they were to take place. And four have already taken place, and three are still to come. Now, God says of the time and seasons, it's not for you to worry about because God's in control of that. But he doesn't say, stick your head in the sand and pretend like you don't know anything. Why? Because knowing these things are written and knowing that he's fulfilled the four in the spring means that I know he's going to fulfill these ones to come. And my hope, not my wishful hope, but my assurance of, in God is found in his word and that I can, I can take it to the bank. I can, I can take it to the house, my friends, that what God's word says is true. There is going to be a day when the trumpet is going to sound.
There is going to be a day when the sky will split open and every eye shall see him as he comes back in his glory. The Bible says when he came the first time, he set aside his father's glory. But when he comes back again, he's coming back not only in his father's glory, but in his glory too. Double portion of glory. And every eye shall see him. He's coming back. And in the very end, after the thousand years, after the judgment, see, uh, the judgment takes place, after Satan is cast alive into the, in the, into the lake of fire, when sin is eradicated, when the curse is gone, God is going to bring down the new Jerusalem and establish it on the earth. And he will live physically on the earth in that city. And that will be the city where we find our address. My friend, that is worth looking forward to. When, I, when you look around and you go, the world is coming apart at the seams. I say, no, God is getting ready to call my name. He's getting ready to sound the trumpet. He's getting ready to call his church. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, about to finish. It says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Here it is right here in the New Testament. Because somebody say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Paul wrote and said the festivals, the new moon, which is a part of one of the festivals, he says Sabbaths, all of those things, were a shadow of things that are to come. But now they are fulfilled in Christ. In the Old Testament, they didn't know Christ. They, they, they didn't see the picture of Christ. They know a Messiah was to come, but they rejected him because they were looking for a Messiah that would deliver them, and they were not looking for a suffering Messiah. But when he comes back again, he's not coming back to die on the cross. He's not coming back as a baby. He's coming to deliver his people. And he's bringing his bride, his church with him. And so the, the feasts and the festivals and everything were a shadow or a picture of things to come. But now is found in Jesus Christ. God's plan for humanity is clearly found in Leviticus 23 through the establishment of these seven specific feasts or divinely appointed times with God. The number seven throughout the Bible represents completeness. Just as seven days finish a weekly cycle, so seven festivals complete the work of God on earth. I'm going to put that slide back up there one more time. Why is this important? Why is this important that we understand it? It's simply because God has divinely set in history the festivals foretelling the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. See, the church today as a whole doesn't talk about the return of Christ. You know here we believe and teach Christ is, Christ is coming for his church and then he's coming back 
to rule on this earth. We believe that. We teach that because that's what the scripture says. But this reveals to us, these seven festivals reveal to us how awesome God is that before time ever was, he already had a plan. It's this same God who says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. That's why I believe this is so important we understand. That if God can plan all of this out to the very end of time as we understand it, then I can believe this verse that God says, I have a plan for you. And he says, I know what it is. He's not confused. He'll wake up this morning and go, Sam, I, you know, I had a plan for you yesterday. But, you know, today after what happened yesterday, you know, I don't know, you know, if that's God. No. God knows. God knows. God knows his plan for you. Your surgery didn't catch God off guard. He's in control. I don't know who else needs to hear this this morning. He's in control. From the beginning before time was to the end of time as we know it. He's planned it all out. He's in control. And you can rest. I said rest in that assurance. Rest in that knowing. He's in control. When you say, I don't understand, doesn't matter. He does. God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I spoke with a man this past week, and he said, I'm just having a hard time believing God right now about a situation. And I said, he didn't wake up surprised. God's in control. God's in control. He said, I, I want to believe. I said, you know God's in control. Don't let the enemy steal that truth away from you. What did Jesus say? The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The first thing he wants to do is steal the promise. Steal the, the promise that God has given you. Steal the word that God has given you that gives you a foundation. Don't let him do that. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter where, what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what you're facing. The one thing God wants all of us to know is that there is an appointed time for each of us on his calendar. And I'm here to tell you that God will be faithful to you and you hold on. You stand strong. God will see you through. God will see you through. And the other thing that it reminds me of the fact is that Christ fulfilled everything that his father sent him out to do. When he died on the cross, 
He was buried in the ground and then raised from the dead. And now it's all available. Life, life eternal, available through Jesus Christ. He's paid the price we could not pay. That we might have our sins washed away. There is an appointed time for each of us. I want to pray right now. I just feel like there's some of you right now, you're going through a situation or circumstance that has weighed heavy on you, maybe just recently or maybe for a, a while now. And God wants you to know he's not scratched it out off his calendar He's not forgotten about you. He's not forgotten the promise. He's not, he's not turned his head away from you. He's not closed his eyes to your situation. He has an appointed time for you. And if, that, if you're, you're at that place right now, and this is not to say that you don't love God or anything, it's just saying... The enemy's just come against you and tried to steal that promise away. He's tried to steal that hope, that trust away in God and His Word. And you want God just to meet you right now and restore that to you. I want you just to come and stand right here. I'm not going to ask you any embarrassing questions. Just simply going to pray for you. I want you to come. Come on. Come on. Who else? Who else? You've stood believing, but you've almost kind of thrown in the towel because you've given up believing. Not that you've turned your back on God, but that hope has been ripped away. God says, I have an appointed time. I believe this morning is an appointed time for some of you. God wants to do a work in you to restore that. Who else? Who else? Come on. I'm not going to beg and plead for 20 minutes. I'm just going to say, come on. God wants to meet you. It's an appointed time. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. An appointed time. You didn't come in by accident. Anyone else? Because we're getting ready to pray. Here comes another one. Anyone else? We're getting ready to pray. See, the Bible says that it will be an appointed time with you and Him. Yes, we're doing this corporately in this setting, but it's not me. I can't do anything. There's no one here that can 
change anything, but Jesus can. Jesus will. He'll restore the hope. He'll strengthen it once again. Where you used to be firmly planted, and now you've been kind of wavering around, He'll plant you again. It's not embarrassing to Him. He's not ashamed. He's not dismayed. He says, I understand. I've been where you're at. Anyone else? We're going to pray. If anyone, those who are on the prayer team, I want you to come and stand behind these right now. I want you to come and stand behind them right now. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray right now. And those of you that are out there, would you just begin to pray with us right here as we pray for these individuals that God restore, God meet them right here. God do what God wants to do in their lives. Would you just agree with us along those lines right now as we pray right now? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you for the assurance of your word. Thank you for the confidence that we find there. God, in our weakness, we feel, we feel almost to the whole place of hopelessness. But God, it's in our weakness that we're made strong in you. Father, right now, restore the promise. Restore the hope. Restore the hope right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let it be sure. Let it be established right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, right now. Jesus. We pray right now, Lord God, your word is true. It's strong. We know established set in stone Lord God let that word be strong in her let it be strong Lord God every doubt be washed away right now be gone in Jesus name Holy Spirit an appointed time right now this appointed moment right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Appointed. This is a meeting place. This is a meeting place right now. Jesus, right now. Right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this man right now. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Great and mighty things, great and mighty things have I not promised you. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying there are things that He's promised you've yet to seek to come to pass, but they will come to pass as you seek Him. Jesus.
Seek him. Go after him with all your heart, all your heart. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this divine appointment today, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Breath of God, breathe fresh on him. Breathe fresh on him. Breathe fresh on him right now. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Holy Ghost. Father, make the crooked paths straight. Make the crooked paths straight. That which was once clear that has been grown dim now make clear again. In Jesus' name. 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 Father, right now. In this place right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, your promises are real. Your promises are real. They do not change. They do not waver. They are established and decreed. Therefore, God, we stand in them, Lord. We stand in them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, we pray right now. Thank you, Father, for this divine appointment. This divine appointment. This divine appointment. God, you said in the days ahead you would redeem the time. That means to buy back, to purchase to redeem that which was lost or left behind. The days behind or behind, they're gone. They're over. God says, look forward. Look forward. Let your look be forward. Don't be turned to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't look behind. Look forward. Look to him. He's the author of your faith. And he'll be the one who puts the final dot on it. He'll, he's the one who'll see it through. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Pray for my brother right now, Lord God. Thank you for your words. Thank you, Father. You know his heart. You know the things that are near and dear to him, Lord. This is an appointed moment, an appointed day on your calendar for him. Father, bring to pass the desire and delight of his heart as he delights in you, Lord God. I sense the Holy Spirit just saying he's got something 
The only way that I know how to explain it is you're about in the days ahead you'll see a divine surprise that pleases the heart of the Father to give towards you. And when he does, you give him thanks. You give him thanks for his favor to rest upon you. Jesus, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your word that establishes establishes us, Lord. Thank you for that word that establishes us. In the name of Jesus. God, we believe you and we stand strong in it. 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 Thank you, Father. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it, Lord. God, we surrender to your way. We surrender to your way, Lord God. Now do it. Do it. As we surrender to your will, God, we get out of the way and we say, Lord, forgive us. We Here we are. Let your promise be brought forth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together for just a moment. Just give God praise that He's in control. Aren't you glad He's in control? Father, we just thank you that you have everything under control. Everything. Nothing catches you off guard. There's no, we're not shocked by anything, God. Plans yes, don't change, Lord. You've established and decreed it, Lord. So, Father, we rest in that love. We rest in that assurance that you say, I know the plans that I have for you. I know them. Yes, Lord. You can trust me. You can trust me in them. Father, we thank you. You're not a God who lies. You're not a man who changes his mind. For you have spoken and it shall come to pass. In your time, in your way. And we give you praise even now before it ever happens. We thank you because it's already established on your timeline, God. And we give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Now I pray for everyone in here, Lord, when they walk out of this place today, that God, their hearts would be filled with hope and anticipation, that God, that they would be reassured by your word and that they, the people they come in contact that are struggling to find purpose, struggling to find hope, struggling, Lord God, to find the meaning of life, that they'll be able to speak powerfully into their lives from the assurance of your word, Lord. And we give you praise for that 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. God, otherwise, God bless you. Have an incredible week. Give us myself away so you can use me I give